On this week's pod, the beginning of the European season is upon us. We've got Premier League, we've got Bundesliga, we've got Serie A, we've got La Liga, we've got every single league you could think of that's starting up this weekend. We talk a little bit about that, plus another plug for our Fantasy Premier League League WTFPL presented by Deadball Brothers and all the lovely people that are joining it. Uh, After that, in the spirit of Europe starting up, I come with a story about one of the worst seasons ever. Buckle up, this is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. I think I said dosed. Dosed. Classic. So much stupidity. A healthy dose of stupidity. <laughs> I'm everybody's least favorite athletic writer, Adam Whitaker Snavely. With me, as always, is my real life brother, Drew Snavely. Uh, probably not the most optimistic Manchester United fan going into this upcoming season, but I'm getting there. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously Cautiously Trust me, that's a real word. I have an English degree. <laughs> Actually, I have multiple English degrees. So many degrees. So many degrees. Drew, the European season is upon us. Wow. Just, uh, I know England is only five days away. When you guys are hearing it, it's probably going to, hearing this podcast, it's going to be three days away. We record on Sundays. So, yeah. Just so you know. Fun fact for you all, on the Lord's Day, because we like keeping it holy. (laughs) I don't know. You just cross yourself? I did. Oh, man. Well, yeah, the, uh, all the, all the leagues are starting up, all the men's leagues, and so. Yeah, we've got, we've got England, we've got Italy, Spain, Germany on tap. And then others, too. Belgium, the Netherlands. I guess you have some lesser leagues that have been playing throughout this this time, like the MLS and... Scandinavia. L- Liga MX. Liga MX. MX. M-A? M-A. X. X. Wow, fun fact for all Liga you guys. Liga MX. M-A-X. M-A? Like, almost like Dos Equis. <laughs> yes, because it's an X. That's the whole thing. Uh, Dos Equis just means two X's. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Our mother is a Spanish teacher. Yeah, I I knew the Spanish alphabet at one point in time. Good. Good. I was actually, uh, the other day, I was I was thinking about <laughs> the the week in Spanish, and if I could remember... And, I, and the first thing that popped in my head was the the Spanish song, the the week song. Yes, uh, Lunas is Monday, Martes is Tuesday, <laughs> Miércoles Wednesday, Miércoles is definitely Jueves Thursday. The best name for a day. And then I wasn't too sure what Viernes, 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 yes, uh, Sabado Saturday, mm-hmm. Domingo is Sunday, Domingo, Domingo es Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about soccer? We should talk about soccer. <laughs> okay. Most excited, most excited to see. Say in the Premier League, you're a Premier League fan. Yeah, you're a, you're a Manchester United yeah. fan. Big Premier League fan. Any, what are you most excited to see this season? Well, I mean, there has been a lot of news circulating the the signing of one Harris Maguire. Harris, Harris, is, Harris isn't his real Harris name. Harris is not his name. <laughs> it's just Harry. <laughs> <laughs> um, excited that we have uh, 
a new center back. A real life center back. A real life center back. Go crazy. Um, that is actually decent to good. Oh man, I saw that video that you posted of Phil Jones trying to do like the Ravona <laughs> thing and just like failing miserably. It was like one of those out of context yeah. Manchester United. It's hilarious and it's a hilarious account. It's <laughs> so good. Just trying to do like a Rabona chop. Does kind not, of just misses it. It completely. was terrible. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, I am excited to see. Hopefully, Manchester United can bring in a creative midfielder so that all of the creative responsibilities are going to be on Paul Pogba. Yeah, because he's staying at Manchester United. He's not going anywhere for, for this season, at least. For this season, in least my the, mind, this first six months. Yeah, of the but, season. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited for the Premier League. Um, I think there will be more drama this year. Between think teams are getting better. Obviously, Liverpool and City are the standard. Right, they're cl- they're the clear front runners right now. But Arsenal have signed a crap ton of guys that are talented. Very talented guys, not really helping their squad much. I think a lot of people have committed to help signing a lot of people that are great and will improve their squad, but also not addressing like their needs at all. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which is which is why I'm excited to see the Premier League because I think a lot of teams are going to be good but also terrible. Yeah, yeah, the Wolves will be good. Everton will be good. Everton, Moise Keane, Moise Keane, which I heard someone say it's actually pronounced Khan, possibly. Oh. Wow, that's pretty cool. But what is Juve doing? Only a stack of thirty-three million euros, and there was like a there was like a oh oh with a with the considerations it could increase an extra two point five million. <laughs> I was like, Cha-ching. Christian Pulisic would cost Chelsea sixty million dollars. How did Moise Keane cost half that? Yeah, it definitely seems like Everton got a really good deal. And... Moise Keane had two more goals than Pulisic did last season in like less than half of the minutes that Pulisic played. Yeah. <laughs> Juve's on the happy pills right now, trying to get rid of Dybala. I don't think they're going to get rid of Dybala either. They're not probably going to get rid of him. And they're probably going to get transfer banned soon. We'll see. Maybe I, that's why. Maybe. I feel like they're getting transfer banned. I feel like, no, I feel like they're getting transfer banned, and if they wanted like, not get transfer banned, they should sell players for more. They should actually sell Dybala for money and not try to swap him for Lukaku. <laughs> uh, or sell, like, alleged uh, sexual assault offenders. I don't know. We don't have to get into that. We don't have to get into that. But, (sighs) yeah, what are you you excited for? I'm excited for Borussia mother friggin' Dortmund, my friend. (laughs) A big Bundesliga guy sitting across from me. I'm a Borussia Dortmund fan. Big time. Big time. Uh, Borussia Dortmund just beat Bayern Munich in the German... Super Cup? The elusive. The elusive Super Cup? Super Cup. Um, the prestigious. A pretty resounding 2 to nothing victory. Wow. Thanks very much. You, who scored? Um, Paco? Paco scored and... I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Marco scored? I think it was Paco and Marco. The important thing is that two goals were scored and Dortmund won. The very prestigious... The very prestigious pre pre season community shield community equivalent shield equivalent yeah yeah in, in Germany okay but Dortmund has a good team this year Julian Brandt great addition Torgen Hazard solid addition somebody that you'll get output from uh, that allows Axel Witzel to not be 
everything in the midfield. It looks like this might be the season of resurgence for Julian Weigel. Uh, we still have Thomas Delaney, Mo Dehoud, obviously Jaden Sancho, Marco Hoist. I think that Mario Gutza is actually going to be the odd man out this season, but he's still on the team. We brought Mats Hummels back because our defense was an absolute tire fire last year. <laughs> Ashraf Hakimi is back. I feel decent about it. It feels like the squad is actually deep for once, and they could really make a run at it. They really, obviously, they made a run at it last year. Surprisingly, I think I don't. I didn't expect them to make as good of a run at it as they did last year in terms of the Bundesliga title. But I think that they have the squad this year to actually make a run at a Bundesliga title and have a high-end talent ceiling where they can jump some teams in the Champions League. Well, they're gonna face tough competition from one Josh Sargent. From one Joshua Sargent. Who is going to be banging in goals all season long. Did you see that uh, that all-touches video Yeah, against Everton? Yeah, it was incredible. It was pretty dope. Yeah. He was putting people on a highlight rail. He really was. It the was gingers awesome. are evolving. The gingers are evolving. <laughs> he looked really good. And, yeah. it's, and it's weird, too, because he was playing on, like, the left side. Okay, so so Verter has this thing where when they play Osako in the middle, he tends to drop a little bit deeper and play less like a striker and a little bit more like an attacking midfielder. And their forwards don't play like wing forwards. They play more like a two-forward set. It's kind of a, an interesting, a weird like false nine, four-three-three situation thing. Yeah. But Josh Sargent has been playing on the left of that. I still think he's best as a center forward, but I think this is a big season for Josh Sargent. Um, in terms of other Americans in Europe, I think that Christian Pulisic... Actually, I'm not sure. I think jury's still out on Chelsea and Christian Pulisic. With the new manager and everything. Yeah, we'll see who's actually starting. But I think Josh Sargent is going to have a good season. I think Tim Weah is going to have a good season with Lille. Uh, he just... Should be fun. Had a really really nice pass and goal uh, against Roma in a preseason friendly. A lot of baby gnats to, to follow, to follow in Europe this, this season, which is exciting. And if you're interested in following teams in Europe, and especially in England, and want something that can make your viewing experience a little more competitive... Shameless plug. Do we have a deal for you? Tell them what the deal is, Drew. We have a deal? We have it. For us? Well, we don't have a deal. We have a... Oh, you're talking about the Fantasy Premier League? Oh! League? Oh, I mean, I yes, I was. Uh, I thought that you were going to start talking about the Athletic. Oh, no! <laughs> No, I wasn't. I wasn't plugging myself. There. <laughs> I, I was plugging our own podcast. I definitely thing. thought you were plugging yourself. No. Yeah, we uh, we're excited to announce that we are launching our very own fantasy Premier League league this up- upcoming season. Adam has a team. I have a team. We're going to be competing. I think twenty other people have teams in the league right now. Twenty other people already. It's free and open. Uh, it's called Dead Ball Bros Present WTFPL. It's an awesome name. Uh, please come up with a clever name that we can possibly share on our podcast uh, at a later date as we give updates as to how the league is going. Uh, my team's name is Regina Jorginho. Uh, our motto is you can't sit with us. Gotta love Mean Girls. Solid Mean Girls reference. My team name is Till Man's Not Hot. Man's Not Hot. Man's Never not Hot. hot. <laughs> Never Hot. Uh, two plus two is four. Minus one is three. Quick maths. Maybe a couple of you out there will, will get what we're referencing. If not... Respect to totally Big Shaq. <laughs> Respect to Big Shaq. By the way, it was Paco and Jaden. Jaden scored at the 69th minute. Uh, nice. Very nice. This is now an <laughs> ASMR podcast. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you would like to join our Fantasy Premier League league, you just go to 
Fantasy Premier League. It's the official dot site. Com. Dot com. Uh, you set up your team, and then when you go to leagues and join a league, we have a league code available that is, I believe, 73NAPQ. And if that's wrong, you can check our social media because it's on our social media yeah, we've as been, well. Yeah, we've done been reposting it. We've been reposting. But join us. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll talk about it throughout the season. There are prizes involved. We still have involved. not decided on the on the I think, prizes I think yet. We, I think we decided on one of the we prizes. We decided on one of the prizes. That we will reveal soon. But you got to be a winner to get a prize. And we also have to figure out how to actually get in contact with you. So hopefully you follow us on Twitter or something. Yeah, that would be nice. Because um, if you don't and you win and we can't get a hold of you in any way, then the next place person is, is getting that prize. I guess we have their email. Yeah, that's Cause, true. Because your email shows yeah, up, I'm that's pretty fair. sure. We can, just, so, we can email. We could email you guys. We got it. But that's not fun. Still follow us on Twitter at DeadballPod. <laughs> follow us everywhere at DeadballPod. Or Instagram or Facebook. Everywhere it's DeadballPod. We're out there. Email us at Deadball... Is it DeadballPod at gmail.com? Yeah, DeadballPod at gmail.com. DeadballPod everywhere, baby. Everywhere. <laughs> I think that's enough plugs for the last of a lifetime. Yeah, I think that we're ready for a story, and the listeners are too. Drew, I have a story for you. I cannot wait. I love terrible seasons. It is such a bad season. It's unbelievable. So sit tight, we'll be right back with this really, really bad story. And we are back. Adam, please bless us with a story about a terrible, terrible season for a team, I'm assuming? It it is a team, a full team. Yeah. A full team. At least 11 guys. <laughs> Hopefully more than that. Even more. <laughs> Hopefully, like, I don't know, 22, All that, Although 25. at some points, possibly less. <laughs> oh, no. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> A little foreshadowing here. So, Drew, as we have said already in this podcast, the European season is almost upon us. Yes. However, the European season has already begun for several lower league teams. Yeah, the, uh, the championship started last week. Championship, League One, League Two, everybody in the football league. These has, are all lower leagues in England. Also the Bundesliga, other places, several other places have, have begun. So Why do they do that? Do you know? I have no idea. It's just like, oh, we're going to start a week earlier. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Huh. Anywho, uh, so. I bet it's for ratings. Because if they all started I, yeah, on the probably. same weekend, everybody's going to watch the Premier League. Or La Liga, per- Premier Division, or whatever it's called in Germany, the First Division. The there. two Bundesliga the, and the Bundesliga. And the Bundesliga. Wow. It's German. Nice. They're very, very practical. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough of that. That's enough of that. So, Drew. Yeah. I have a story from a team that at various times in their history has bounced in and out of the Football League. Okay. They're currently in League One. Not bad. Not, not, te- not terrible. Not terrible. It could be worse. But our story begins... Uh, this is more background of the story. But in 1879... Okay. Here. Wow. Albert Jenkins, with the help of some friends at the Great Northern Railway Works, formed a football club in Doncaster. Doncaster? Doncaster. Man, that's such a cool name. In order to play a friendly match against the Yorkshire Institute for the Deaf and Dumb. What? Yep. <laughs> I had a friend, actually, I had a, I had Am a friend. Am I terrible for laughing at Maybe that? a little bit. 
I had a friend uh, who uh, played in like a homeschool co-op like league, and one of the teams that they played was uh, like a school for the deaf. And uh, she said that uh, whenever the ref blew the whistle, like everybody that could hear had to like wave their hands, like shake their hands, like clapping. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, there's no other way to know. Yes, really. The match ended in a draw, four to four, but. On the way home, Jenkins and his friends decided they'd like to continue playing together and become a more formalized club. They settled on the name Doncaster Rovers. Doncaster Rovers. They were first elected to the Football League in 1901. They were then sent back down after one season nice. <laughs> to semi-professional leagues uh, because of poor results and finishing last place. I guess that happens, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, they continued on as a kind of an average to mediocre team throughout most of the early 1900s. Um, and in 1922, they moved into their stadium, Bellevue, where they would play until 2006. What? This is important. That's a lot of years. This is important. We're going to come back to it. Okay. That's 84 years. Post-World War I, they mostly bounced between the second and third divisions, and until the 90s were possibly most notable for competing in the longest ever football league match, wherein a draw with Stockport lasted 203 minutes when neither team could score, and the rules at the time stated that extra time would not end until a goal was scored. (laughs) It was pretty much Quidditch. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. That is crazy i'm so glad that they just go to penalties after a half hour i feel like a half hour is (laughs) after it's too much it's too much after that uh the match was eventually abandoned due to darkness and then replayed uh doncaster just a very average english club like i mean that was that's like a funny footnote in their history but like they are they were kind of like a dime a dozen soccer team in england okay they weren't they were never like the best team in england they had plenty of times where they weren't weren't great, but they were kind of also like, oh yeah, we were in the football league, so like, they're an English football club. Yeah, nothing particularly special. Enter Ken Richardson in nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. So I know that I know that we've been playing messing around a lot with like World War One, World War Two time period. Yeah, it's nice to not have to deal with that. We are in the nineties. We are in the nineties. The vast majority of this story. The roaring nineties. <laughs> As, as they say. As, as everybody says. Yeah, everybody says that. Everybody calls it that. Richardson saw opportunity with Doncaster and wanted to make a mark with the club, transforming it with a boatload of cash that he had apparently in a bunch of companies from the Isle of Man, where he was from. The Isle of Man. The Isle of Man. Huh. So he was essentially like a sheik. I'm, yeah, but he was English. Yeah, but he... Is like same kind of deal. Yeah, he just comes in with thing. a boatload of cash, being like, "I'm gonna turn this ship around." A, a little bit like that. That's cool. Part and parcel to that vision was also building a new stadium. Uh, at one point, Bellevue had a capacity of forty thousand, okay. which was like really good for a team that was routinely playing in the third division. Yeah, I feel like that's huge. Second or third division. Um, but no major update outside of like some seating changes and cosmetic changes had occurred to Bellevue since 1938. 
And then to add to that, only a couple of years before Richardson got there, 1987, the seating, due to some mining considerations that were happening near the ground, one of the stands had to be completely taken down and another one had to be severely reduced. So it took the seating capacity down to 10,000. 30,000 seats? Yes. And then oh. it was further reduced to just over 7,000 people after the Hillsborough disaster. Uh, what, was, what was that? The um, Liverpool um, fans that died due to overcrowding. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, and that led to tighter safety regulations, and it led to not having as big of capacity in stadiums because um, there was more stricter limits for people. I'm sure it added to the the atmosphere of, of the games, intimate, considering... Intimate and quaint. You don't have to fill out 40,000 a person stand it's for true. League 3 games. All that said, it was a very well-worn stadium that was definitely showing its age, and if Doncaster were going to be big, or at least bigger than they currently were, they needed a new stadium. They just did. Yeah. Like, that was that was pretty much beyond, beyond uh, like, repute. Management 101. So the trouble should have been st- spotted from the start with Richardson. Previous to Doncaster Rovers, Richardson had been an owner of a non-league club named Bridlington Town. Bridlington Town. Extremely English. Man, I love English English names, town names like that. Like Huddersfield Town. Yep. Like, come on. That's incredible. Um... He made some nice improvements to the team and also its ground and was regarded like fairly well amongst people there. Um, but then legal troubles began to crop up and some money issues. And so Richardson attempted to play Bridlington Town's home games 130 miles away from Bridlington in Doncaster with him where he had just moved. Ah, wow, it's all connected. He sold Bridlington's home ground to developers... Nice. The club managed to survive for one season before extreme travel sent them under. Yeah, that's terrible. Yep, a lot of travel costs. What a horrible guy. (laughs) Uh, The club was taken into administration, and Richardson left that club and soon enough latched onto Doncaster. This was kind of before the internet was like, you couldn't just look somebody up if you're a random person. I mean. So nobody knew. What? Straight up nobody knew. It's the 90s. Yeah, it's 95. I guess it's crazy you were, to think. I mean, I wasn't alive. You weren't then, alive. <laughs> yeah. And Actually, no, not even that. It was like 1990. I wasn't even alive. I know that like cell phones weren't a thing in like 2000. Let really? Me put, let me put it to you this way. Do you remember using the internet in the time where if you got on the computer and used the internet, you couldn't also use the phone? Yeah, obviously. Okay. Dial up, baby. All right. So you do remember that? I do. You remember what the internet was like at that point in time? Yeah. Which was not much. I don't know. I think I'd just play chess. Yeah. You played chess. That's basically Went it. Went to Yahoo. Went to Yahoo. It wasn't it wasn't like there was there wasn't like a, a lot of like really easy to use extensive internet databases that were just like you weren't nobody was like Googling. Yeah, I Ken know. Richardson and finding out. So people didn't know. 
Okay. They just knew that it was this guy who had money and he was going to invest in the club and everybody was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That sounds great because <laughs> we're struggling with money. Also, Doncaster was pretty poor area. It was in the midst of like a, a big like economic recession. Okay. And so they're like, yeah, absolutely. This is a good thing that this guy is coming along. Um, soon after becoming the majority shareholder at Doncaster Rovers, Richardson appointed three people to a three-man board of directors. His daughter, his niece, and a man named Ken Haran, or Haran, Ken Haran, whatever, as chairman, who had been part of Richardson's defense team when he had been caught up in a horse racing scandal several years previous at Flockton Gray. Well, the good thing about this guy is that he came in with, like, a sparkling clean record. Yeah, absolutely. But on, on actually, I mean, if you look past the nepotism with his daughter and niece, I mean... At least it's the equal opportunity kind of guy. Like, it's like he's got a couple women on, yeah. on the board. Got one other guy in himself on the board. That's 50-50. 50-50. Crazy. Great. Perfect. Um, he referred to himself as the club's benefactor. Mm. Nice. In 1994, Richardson tried to put the Bellevue ground up for sale. He had a one-track focus for uh, Rovers, and that's that the club needed a new stadium. So he took out space and papers to advertise the stadium was for sale. There was just one problem, and that was Doncaster Rovers had never owned the stadium. What? (laughs) And therefore, Richardson did not own Bellevue as a result of owning the club. (laughs) Um, I mean, it makes sense. Because a lot of a lot of stadiums are owned by the the city, like built yes. by the city. Yes, the stadium was owned by the city, and Doncaster Rover was like a lease tenant essentially. Yeah. And any sale of the club fell under the purview of the town council. They found out Richardson had tried to put it up for sale. <laughs> they were royally pissed, and they refused to sell the ground or help Richardson build a new stadium after that occurred. Nice, unfortunate. Now, in Richardson's defense, here the stadium was really in in terrible shape yeah um one fan said we had a crap ground the car park looked like a set from a world war one film with trenches all over the place (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i mean it was built in the 1800s yeah originally built in the 1800s expanded then contracted yeah yeah so not great it probably needed to happen but also like this guy is shady and didn't go about it in the best way yeah the first season or two under Richardson actually didn't turn out incredibly poorly. Um, Doncaster were fairly average at first. They finished 15th out of 24 teams in the third division in 93-94. Not bad. And actually, 94-95, they finished ninth, which was wow. very good for them. Mid-table club, um, some would say. However, in June of 1995, unfortunately, uh, Bellevue Stadium caught fire. Ah, uh burning a hole into the roof in the main stand and causing 100,000 pounds worth of damage before it was managed to put out. Wow, that's that's tough. Especially, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that's probably, like, closer to a million pounds now. Yeah, it's tough when, like, like an act of nature like that is, like, obviously setting you back. 1995 to 97 didn't go too well, obviously. As they began to slide backwards in the table, they finished 13th with a negative 11 goal differential just one year after posting a differential of plus 15 okay. and, and finishing ninth, uh, They dropped to 19th out of 24 teams the next year on a negative 14 goal differential. The 96 season also started with a bit of a manager snafu. 
as manager Sammy Chung turned up for the first day of training only to find out that he had been replaced by Kerry Dixon and no one had bothered to tell him about it. Oh, no. (laughs) He came to the first day and this guy was already in his office. (laughs) That is terrible. However, that wasn't even close to Don Rover's biggest problem because in 1996, Ken Richardson was arrested directly following the final whistle in a cup match with Fulham for conspiracy of arson. What? You see, investigators of the Bellevue Stadium fire had concluded that the fire was intentional. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, trying to put pressure on the city to sell the stadium or something? Furthermore, they had found a mobile phone that was left behind at the scene of the crime. The phone belonged to one Alan Christensen, a former British Special Forces soldier and private investigator. (laughs) Finally, police also found a very important message that Christensen had left on the phone. A message left on Ken Richardson's answering machine, saying simply, the job's been done. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing suspicious here. Clearly the job had not been done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. So it turns out, Richardson had hired Christensen to torch Bellevue after the town council had refused to either sell the stadium or approve plans for a new stadium to be built. Um, He hoped, I think, I'm pretty sure this is the case, he hoped that destroying the stadium would force Rovers into a move uh, that they, and they would have to build a new stadium. Yeah. Um, And also, meantime, he could probably sell the destroyed ground to developers and make some money off of it. Makes sense. I mean, if you have to follow his train of thought, he's like, look... I was kind of sketchy at my last team, but nobody here knows about that or found out about it has said anything to me to bring it up. So maybe I can get away with something like arson. Arson. And uh, burn even, down the stadium. And even better, what if I don't do it? I hire somebody else to do it. Nobody will ever be able to find me. Um, it worked out super well for him. <laughs> I'm assuming that Christensen, the guy that actually committed the arson thought that the entire stadium would go up in flames and probably through his phone, assuming that it would like be destroyed or something. Yeah, like in the movies. Just like toss toss something back and let right. everything just everything explodes, explodes and you don't react to it at all. Yeah. Uh but while the fire did do a decent amount of damage, it was really contained to one stand roofing section that was that was damaged before it burned itself out. Um Christensen and two accomplices were arrested for arson while Richardson was arrested as the mastermind behind the plan. Nice. However, Richardson's trial would not happen for another two years, and he still owned the club. Which brings us to the 1997-1998 Doncaster Rovers season. The worst season in the football league. This was all build-up? This was all build-up, oh, my friend. Man. This was all build-up. Wow, I'm really glad that we haven't even got to the worst of it yet. Three games into the season, manager Kerry Dixon was out. (laughs) Okay. He claimed that Ken Richardson had been trying to make club decisions and weasel his way into picking, like, teams for games. It's like a Roman uh, uh, Abramovich. Abramovich. Maybe a little bit. A little something like that. Um, And Dixon had enough, but apparently Richardson made the call to sack Dixon mostly to save money. as the club were now in pretty dire straits financially after having to repair their stadium after the fire that Ken Richardson had ordered set. Yes. And as a result of Richardson putting less and less money into the club, 
Ken Richardson himself took up the post of a manager for at least one game. What? After Dixon's exit against Rochdale, Rovers would lose. I'm going to do the the dang thing (laughs) myself. I'm going to do it myself. (laughs) They would lose and continue to lose impressively so. They would go bottom of the table after five games and did not move from that spot for the rest of the season. I know it's hard to make it sound any worse than that, but I promise you it's going to get worse. Good. Rovers managed to finally get a point under new coach Colin Richardson, who was not related to Ken Richardson. Oh, that's good. And also was not Ken Richardson wearing a mustache, which was my first <laughs> my first reaction when I'm like, oh yeah, our new manager, uh, Colin Richardson. Ren Kitchardson. Hmm. <laughs> Seems legit. <laughs> Why are you wearing those funny glasses all the time? Um, they managed to get a point under the new manager, and they then began signing like the most heinous assortment of players imaginable. They're um, they're signing like players that haven't played for years. Nice. Um, for one match against Brighton, they signed and played a keeper from a Sunday league, and another guy from the ninth tier of English football. They lost the game. They were reported to the FA for fielding a weakened, te- a weakened team. What? And Ken Richardson was advised by security to leave at halftime for his own safety, which he did. Because um, of the fans. Yes, because they yeah, were so upset. That makes sense. Neither of those players ever played for Downcaster Rovers again, but they did play that one game. Wow. There was another player, his name was Gary Finley, which fans nicknamed the Human Oil Tanker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, it's great getting a nickname. Sometimes it's just really bad. You know, sometimes you're Cesar Espilicueta getting nicknamed Dave, and sometimes you're Gary Finley getting named the Human Oil Tanker. Honestly, something like that, I feel like I need to see a picture of the guy to be to be like, all right, is this a good? Is this good is or it is a, this bad? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's bad. Probably bad. Pretty sure it's bad. Yeah. In October, so that was September. In October, <laughs> Rovers' third manager of the season is appointed, Dave Cowling. He resigns after two weeks. Nice. <laughs> because Richardson once again is trying to micromanage player decisions. Uh. Danny Bergara comes in to manage the club in November, and he brought with him such innovative tactical decisions as changing player numbers before the game in order to confuse opponents. Ah, uh, yes. A classic. A classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bergara actually lasted a whole month before stepping down as manager but staying on as a coach. Oh, that's good. So he didn't want to – he wanted to still coach and be part of the club, but – he, he said the, the rigors of, of being a manager and all of that entailed of leading the club was too much. It's, it's a big job. It's a big job. It's a really big job beyond just being a coach. The man who replaced him, so we're now on our fourth manager of the season, was Mark Weaver. Okay. Who was the general manager also for Doncaster Rovers and the one who had signed all of those stunningly bad players. <laughs> <laughs> he also had no real prior managing experience. What could possibly go wrong? Um, I think this is actually technically, if we count Ken Richardson, this is the fifth manager of the season. Is this uh, a record? I actually have. I didn't. I don't know if this is a record. I know some other things are records. Okay, good. Um, it's December, the beginning of December. Yeah, this happens. They're on their fifth manager. Um, yeah, it's it's a manager a month. However. Weaver managed to win Rovers their first game of the season. Mm. 
You love to see it. Twenty-five games into the season. Yeah, they won their first. They won their first game. It's December, in front of a crowd of just about eight hundred people. It, is it home? Yes. And was eight hundred the max? No, it was still seven thousand. Still seven thousand. Okay. <laughs> Tough times for Doncaster. The good times would not last for Mark Weaver. At the end of the month, Leighton Orient beat Rovers eight to nothing. Oh, it apparently no. would have been more, but Leighton Orient subbed off both of their strikers with twenty minutes left because they felt bad. Oh. It's like what no, never mind. <laughs> we about to we about to go back to high school? No, I was I was about to go uh, to the Women's World Cup against Thailand. Yikes. It it's like that response is what oh uh, just a lot of people wanted the United States women to do. Yeah. But we wanted the United States women national team to keep on dunking on Thailand. <laughs> beat them into the dirt. We don't have anything against Thailand. We don't have anything against Thailand. We just like goals. Respect to Thailand. And winning by a lot. Yeah. Shouts to us. Shouts to us. Shouts out to the Cooligans for coining that phrase. <laughs> by February, fans were hanging effigies of Ken Richardson in car parks and at the stadium. Oh, no. Them. <laughs> Making terrible. homemade effigies to burn of their owner. Um, in March, the remaining coaching staff outside of Danny Bergara are all laid off, and training has become voluntary for the players, Oof. who are mostly just showing up to games to collect a paycheck. The club has only seven professional players. They've disbanded the youth team and placed all of those people in the first team, and Mark Weaver signs himself as a player. What? <laughs> He's like, oh, I can do, I can help out this team. What it's I, bad when your manager's like, you know what, I got this. What I love about this story is that it's pretty. It's almost all of our previous stories in one. Like it all got smashed together. Yeah. Stupid games, terrible managers. Um, I don't know how this relates to the Dick Kerr ladies. Possibly just um, this is in kind of the middle of nowhere, England. Um, Turmoil at somebody the club. is signing and or selling themselves. Yeah. Hey, it's happening. Yeah, Doncaster Rovers were in dire dire straits. This finally came to a head with fans in April 1998 in a match against Hull. That if Rovers don't win, they'll be relegated out of the football league. Okay. Um, and most assume that that would probably spell like the end of the club the as end well. Of the club. Yeah. Um, because with a lot of, especially if you go into administration, um, a lot of like clubs, the one of the terms of the of administration is you have to stay in the football league or else you'll be liquidated. Yeah. Like that's what happened to Bournemouth. Yeah. When they because they they had like the twelve point penalty in League Two, and mm-hmm. if they got relegated from League Two. They would be dissolved as yeah. a club, and they managed to come in like stay up seventeenth place or something like yeah. that. Stay up, wow. yeah. So yeah. people assume that it would it would be the death of the club. Yeah. Um. So they have this match against Hull. That's a must win. Yeah. Or else they get relegated. And the other problem is, if they're out of the football league, the FA doesn't have the FA has like not nearly as much purview over their team. Okay. Because the FA isn't running their league anymore. Yeah. And so they don't have any say over what their club does and does not do. Um, so 
this was bad for Rovers fans because Rovers fans wanted basically they wanted the FA to intervene. Yeah. Because it was such a bad manager. He was it clearly like wasn't putting any money into the team. He literally had been arrested for trying to burn their own team stadium down. Yeah. Like 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 why isn't the FA doing anything about this? Yeah. Nobody knows. So in an attempt to get the FA to notice just how bad things were, fans staged a pitch invasion protest. Yes. Several minutes into the game, Matt Smith, fan, and now famed Doncaster Rovers fan for starting this. <laughs> he was also the person actually earlier who gave the uh, the the quote about the, the, the car park looking like World War One. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Matt Smith jumped the fence, ran to the center circle, and sat down, refusing to move, stalling the game. Good. Um, I'm going to quote somebody, and they're going to say some naughty words. So, sorry, Mom, sorry, Grandma, sorry, Jesus. Looks like this pod episode is getting the explicit tag. The explicit tag. <laughs> quote, despite whole defender Scott Maxfield yelling at him to, get off the pitch, you fucking idiot. I'll fucking kick your arse if you don't move. <laughs> Smith responded that... Maxfield could kick him, but if he did, he would pretend to have a spinal injury and they'd have to get a helicopter to come get him. <laughs> what a legend. Foolproof plan. <laughs> um, finally, after like a minute where he's the only person uh-huh. on the field, everybody, all the other fans, like, find their courage. That's like kind of wild to be sitting out there by yourself. Yeah. Because oh, if we were to just sit here in silence for 60 seconds... Like, that's a lot. That's a long. That's a, that's a long, long time. time. You know. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, very scary, especially with people like cops around you, big professional athletes telling you that they're going to beat you up. Yeah. And responding that you'll pretend to be paralyzed if they do. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, the uh, the rest of the fans uh, found some of their gumption. They jumped the fence. And they paraded onto the field as well. So there are several hundred fans on the field, um, completely delaying the game. Uh, several of them carried a large Richardson out banner. Um, and during all of this mayhem, where the co- I mean the cops can't like can barely do anything. There's too many people. Yeah. During all this mayhem, there's this guy. His name is Alan Brown. He was the lead singer of a local punk band called Big Flame, which was mildly popular in England and in punk circles at the time. Very nice. Um, who managed to chain himself to the goalposts during the chaos. Yes. Um, this is like the original handcuffing to handcuffing yourself to the post. Yes, he, he did that. Uh, it took 20 minutes to get all the fans off the field, and when all the fans were off the field, Alan Brown remained chained <laughs> to the goalposts. They were trying to figure out a way to get him out, and eventually they've they got the groundskeeper to go get them a hacksaw to to cut the chains, not to cut his arm off. Oh, take it easy. I was thinking like <laughs> I was thinking like the goalpost, but it makes way more sense to get yeah, the, the chains. Cutting yeah. the goal down. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that cutting a goalpost would be the most practical solution to this problem. <laughs> but that's where I went. He's chained himself to the goalpost. Well, we got to get rid of the goal. <laughs> oh no, they just call him a welder or something. Bring him in. Go right through. Yeah. Foolproof. Foolproof. Perfect plans. This episode is nothing but perfect plans. Honestly, it wouldn't be surprising 
for for this Doncaster club. Given everything that has occurred up to yes. this point. That's fair. Um, when they actually brought the hacksaw, he admitted that the key to the the lock was in his was in his sock. <laughs> um, nice. And so they got him out the easy way. And the game finally continued after a long, long delay. This was just in like the first couple minutes of the game, right? Yeah, I think this was like 15 minutes into the game. Okay, wow. Um, so police took him away. Um, also, when everybody else ran out onto the field, Matt Smith swapped shirts with a friend and then a different person. He swapped hats so that he wouldn't... He couldn't be identified, <laughs> both by police and by, so because he didn't want to get recognized. Yeah. Both by police and by apparently Richardson would send some goons to games that if people protested, they would like beat him up, rough him up or something like that. Man. And he didn't want to deal with that. Gangsta. Gang, gang, <laughs> gang, gang, gang. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, Matt Smith. Managed to get out of there. Yeah. Got uh, it. Alan Brown, I believe, was arrested. <laughs> okay. Um, which, fair. Incredibly, Rovers managed to win the game one nothing. <laughs> yeah, that is actually pretty crazy. It was their fourth and final win of the season. They lost and were relegated the next week with a month left in the season. Uh... Fans at the last home game held a funeral for the club, replete with a red and white bedecked coffin. Like, they what, got like what's this bedecked like spangled like ah yes decorated decorated makes sense Doncaster yeah. Rovers red and white very nice red and white colors in 1907-1998 season Doncaster Rovers set the record for most losses in a football league season with 34 okay they finished with a negative 83 goal differential woof <laughs> that that's the kind of defense that you want um, that you dream of, like, Mohamed Salah or Harry Kane or Sergio Aguero, like, going up against that next week in, in fantasy. Just to see what could happen. Hit the triple captain. Hit that triple captain. I did it for Mo Salah against Cardiff Yeah. this last season. It worked. He got 45 points. Nice. It was nuts. Um, Richardson was finally put on trial and found guilty. <laughs> Uh, but, not good. Before, but not before during the trial, the investigators of the case calling him the type that would trample a two-year-old child to pick up a two-pence bit. What? <laughs> um, a new consortium, a new a new ownership group. Okay. Took over Doncaster. Took over the Doncaster Rovers name. Um, kind of like starting fresh. Yeah. Um. But not before Richardson still tried to run the old club and even played a preseason friendly against he, the players that were with the old ownership and the players under the new ownership. What? He played in the game? No, he didn't play in the game, oh. but he tried he ran he tried to keep running the club and like gotcha. say like oh, I'm not recognizing the new the new team or something yes. like that. Okay. And they, they played the new and old Doncaster teams played a preseason friendly against each other. Well who won? I have no idea. Oh. I did not that one. Yeah, I, I don't know who won that one. I was kind of hoping that the the new Doncaster team absolutely just, just demolished. Them. Yeah, I mean that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, obviously. Um, in two thousand three, Doncaster Rovers, who were not liquidated, 
because they found somebody to buy them, actually a local fan that had a lot of money. Nice. Um, finally made it back into the Football League. Good in for them. 2006, they beat Aston Villa and Manchester City in successive rounds of the League Cup. Giant killers. Before losing on penalties in the quarterfinals to Arsenal. Mm. Which is like still pretty, still really good Arsenal. Two thousand six. Yeah. yeah, you got you got your Gilberto Silva in there. I mean, even just beating in a Premier League team, it could be. I don't Leeds. I guess Leeds is relegated by then. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Sheffield That's Wednesday. That's fair. Sheffield. I don't know if Sheffield Wednesday. They've probably they've really probably never been in the Premier League. Could be Everton. West Brom. Everton. <laughs> Safe, safe. Tottenham. It could be Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham wasn't that great. Um, Neither was Manchester City at the time. Yeah, that is true. In 2007, the club finally got a new ground, Keep Moat Stadium, uh, which doubled the capacity of Bellevue as it was when Richardson and Kenrickson took over the stadium. It was just about 16,000 people. That, That was capacity. Yeah. Ironically, also in 2007, Bellevue blew up. What? <laughs> like, on purpose, was it a controlled explosion? A gas leak under the stadium oh, no. caused an explosion that, de- that destroyed the entire main stand and required the stadium to be completely demolished quickly. There is now no stadium there, and it is currently being developed as housing. Nice. Um, Ken Richardson just really needed... All he needed to do was wait a decade, and the thing would have taken care of itself. <laughs> It, it would it would have been fine. Would but been. He, he's an impatient man. Uh, yeah, apparently. He, he has a history of being impatient. Yes. So. Um, since returning to the Football League, they have played in League 2, League 1, and the Championship, but have never managed to make it to the top flight. Mm. They began the 2019-2020 season in League 1 with a 1-1 draw against Gillingham, hopeful to improve upon last season, in which they finished 6th and exited in the semifinals of the promotion playoff. Ah, I love that promotion playoff. It's such a cool... <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. And uh, and that's a, that's a little brief history for you. Wow. Uh, Doncaster Rovers and the worst season ever, 1997-1998. So they didn't change their name from when they... So there were like two actual Doncaster Rovers. I don't know how that preseason friendly thing worked out. All I know is that I, I, in the research, I saw a thing that said that the two ownership groups had a pre pre season friendly against each other. Gotcha, huh? That's crazy. Well, I'm assuming still Doncaster Rovers both ways. Yeah. Wow, that was truly. I mean, you say bad season, but it was really a terrible decade, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't. It didn't start terribly for them. Yeah. I, just, I mean, like, they make it back into the, the league, the football league in 2003. Ken Richardson took over the club in 1993. So yeah. that's that's the decade. Um, but Lots of fir- ups and downs. Their first couple seasons. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly downs. Mostly downs. But their first couple seasons weren't bad. Yeah. They had that season where they finished ninth under Ken Richardson. Yeah. And then it just, like, all unraveled. Yeah. My wow. favorite, my favorite part, my favorite part has got to be the the guy that set the fire to the stadium, calling him, leaving a, a message on his answering machine saying "Jobs done, jobs done," and then leaving his phone there. Oh man, 
Crime 101, don't leave your phone at the scene of the crime. No evidence. Your little mobile Nokia. My dude was out here playing Snake, and he just fumbled it. At least, like, burn it or something. Make Watch it catch fire. Throw it into a river? And watch it get destroyed. Yeah. Set it on fire, then smash it with a sledgehammer. Or even better yet, maybe just keep your cell phone. Or better yet, don't do crime. <laughs> don't do, best yet, <laughs> don't do crimes, kids. Stay safe out there. Oh, man. Wouldn't this become like a, a Buster the Crime Dog or whatever that guy's name was? This is the Advice Podcast. This is the Advice, this is the advice Podcast sequel, Too Fast, Too Advice. We are now in our seventh episode, so we have eclipsed the original Advice Podcast record of six episodes. Well... I'm glad that Doncaster made it through the wilderness. You know they made it through. I immediately regret saying that. I didn't know how lost I was until I found you. I'm like cringing right now. Like Richard said. Please stop. (laughs) Burned for the very first time. No, we really... You you make me want to shut this podcast (laughs) podcast off right now. Cancel everything. Delete, Delete the pod. Oh, man. Oh, that was pretty good. That was that was a good remix off the top of the head. Come on, dude. That the story was good. Okay. The story was good. I thank you for at least complimenting <laughs> this story. Is it, but that's it. That's it. That's, that's the end of the story. That's the end the of the tale story. Is, the tale of Doncaster Rovers. So I guess we we should end the podcast. I guess we should sign off. We should. We As should always, muchas gracias for listening and also for dropping any ratings and reviews as always it really helps us if you want to follow our social media accounts do that it's at deadball pod everywhere if you want to email us with uh sarcastic remarks um questions things you want us to cover uh corrections on things that we got wrong please do it's deadballpod at gmail.com we haven't gotten any emails yet drew really really wants to get an email i want to get one email that's like not from a friend or relative just wants to know that somebody out there cares yeah i know that a lot of you guys out there care i mean so many of you have taken the time uh to review us give us that five star on apple podcast and for that we cannot thank you enough super shouts out to that um and uh i believe that's all yeah, just don't forget to join our FPL League. FPL League, WTFL. Mad prizes. For mad prizes. I don't know if it's mad and, prizes. And uh, glory that will be forever uh, archived on the pod. Uh, happy birthday, Matt Barodi. Happy birthday, Matt. Love uh, you. Don't worry about that, everybody else who's not Matt. <laughs> My name is Adam Snavely. And I am Drew Snavely. And we will see you guys next time. Until then, make it easy. <laughs>